Rest in peace, Lord Evermus. Kusta Nigga. Mac Miller. Juice World. XX Tentacion. Jimmy Wapo. ASAP Yams. John Singleton. Nipsey Hustle. Lil Peep. Kobe Bryant. I miss y'all, man. I was just sitting there pouring this perp up, thinking about all this shit. I was thinking. I don't know if I'm reminiscing or what to call this shit. I was when you get on it, feel like niggas wanna see you fall and slip. And see it. Man, I wish my nigga was here with me to take a sip. Hey. Pour some drink for the game. 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 Pour some drink. Ask me to pour me up. Pour some drink for the game. What's going on everybody, it's your boy Jordan And this is Desmond And welcome to episode 27 of Two Black Nerds That's right, it's that time once again for us to bring you our opinions and hot takes on all things fandom, pop culture, and entertainment As always, you can find Two Black Nerds wherever you get your podcasts Please, make sure to hit that subscribe button and leave us a friendly rating and comment to show your support And of course, join in on the conversation each and every week by following us on Twitter and Instagram at Two Black Nerds. We appreciate that love, y'all. And we cannot forget, visit twoblacknerds.com for all your latest merchandise purchases. We got stickers, we got hoodies, we got t-shirts, we got everything you could want right now. Yes. Hit us up, twoblacknerds.com, place your orders for some merchandise and support us there. Well, sir, my brother, we have some major, major things to get to this week. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, we have a lot of other, you know, random breaking news that we that we like to cover, especially in the world of black entertainment, superheroes, comic books, all of those things. But we got to start off with, I think, the biggest news that we've probably talked about in quite a while here. Um, you know, you and I have been discussing the state of movies, movie theaters, streaming. We've been talking about that all year, of course, mm-hmm. um, due to the pandemic and how that's changed the entire industry, the entire world, of course, but specifically for the purposes of what we talk about here, it's changed the film industry um, quite dramatically. And so we've been wondering, you know, what are these movies going to do? Where are they going to go? How long are they going to be pushed back? Um, and even in our last episode, we talked a lot about Wonder Woman and the decision to send that to HBO Max this Christmas, mm-hmm. um, as well as hitting theaters on the same exact day. Well, looks like Warner Media decided to not stop there. This might be the most fuck it moment of 2020 I've seen from a major corporation, to be honest with you. Um, and if you don't know what we're talking about, we have to we have to talk about this. Um, just this past week, Warner Media, HBO Max made the announcement that the entire 2021 film slate from Warner Brothers Pictures will be going to HBO Max the same day that the films hit theaters. That's right. You heard it. HBO Max will be receiving all Warner Brothers 2021 films the same day they hit theaters, um, which is just just completely unexpected, I think, from all sides of the conversation. Um, but w- let, let's talk about a, you know some of these details first, and then of course we're mm-hmm. gonna we're gonna dive into the conversation. But again, movies will be made the same day, be made available the same day on the streaming service. As they hit, as the same day they hit theaters, um, and the films will be available on HBO Max for 31 days. And after 31 days, the films will revert back to a traditional theatrical model. They'll stay in theaters, and then after they have their theatrical run, they'll go to 
um, PVOD to be able to rent and purchase just like things would normally occur mm-hmm. um, if we were not in a pandemic. Um, so that is the details. And so from Deadline, who broke the news um, this past week, um, we got a few quotes. So Ann Sarnoff, who's the chair chair um, person and CEO of Warner Media Studios and Networks Group, um, said, quote, we're living in unprecedented times which call for creative solutions, including this new initiative for Warner Brothers Pictures Group. No one wants films back on the big screen more than we do. We know new content is the lifeblood of theatrical exhibition, but we have to balance this with the reality that most theaters in the U.S. will likely operate at reduced capacity throughout 2021. With this unique one-year plan, mm-hmm. we can support our partners in expi- exp- exhibition with the steady pipeline of world-class films while also giving moviegoers who may not have access to theaters or aren't quite ready to go back to the movies the chance to see our amazing 2021 films. We see it as a win-win for film lovers and exhibitors, and we're extremely grateful to our filmmaking partners for working with us on this innovative response to these circumstances. Wow. End quote. So that's a quote from Ann Sarnoff from uh, Warner Media Studios. She's a uh, chairperson and CEO. Um, again, all 2021 films. So, I mean, shall we read the movies that, that people oh, will be able to see next year, bro? Lord have mercy, y'all. This list, it. Why don't you Why don't you take the first half and I'll take yeah, the second half, I, just so people know what they're working with right, yeah, yeah. on go what they're gonna be seeing. Let me go through this first. So uh, the little things, um, the film starring Denzel Washington, Robbie Malik, and Jared Leto. Um, we also have uh, another. Oh my God, huge film, Judas and the Black Messiah. Wow, uh, sheds tear. Um, <laughs> Tom and Jerry, uh, the uh, animated film um, that we talked about uh, last week. Yep. Um, kind of looks like Space Jam. <laughs> uh, look at animation. <laughs> Godzilla versus Kong. Another um, should yeah. Another tear shed there. Mortal Kombat. Crazy. Uh, Mortal Kombat. They were bringing back, uh, of course, the popular video video game back in film form. Those who wish me dead. Starring Angelina Jolie. The Conjuring. Woo! Another Conjuring <laughs> movie, y'all. The Devil Made Me Do It. Uh, in the Heights, John Chu's adaption of Lin Manuel's Miranda's Broadway musical that was probably going to be amazing too, and Space Jam: A New Legacy. Wow, talk about another heartbreaker. That's just the first half of the list, dog. Right. Yeah, you, and the, yeah, just keep going. The, the, <laughs> yeah, the second half is uh, it's even more bangers coming from Warner Brothers. Uh, the Suicide Squad, mm, third James tier. Gunn, um, The Suicide Squad. We've been talking about that on this show, um, which is his sequel um, slash reimagining of that that uh, that universe of characters. Um, also, a movie called Reminisce, which is going to be starring Hugh Jack- Hugh Jackman and Re- Rebecca Ferguson. Mm-hmm. Um, Malignant, uh, which is James Wan's next original uh, horror film that he'll be directing. Um, so we have. <laughs> Really, two James Wan projects hitting next year on the service. Dune, oh, which this one hurts probably the most to be honest. I'm, uh, yeah, that was supposed to come out this year. Epic, epic film um, that that's going to be dropping on HBO Max. The Many Saints of Newark, which is the Sopranos prequel, um, which I've definitely wow. been looking forward to. Like that's coming yeah. out. Um, King Richard, which was again also supposed to come out this year, but punted into next year. Um, that's starring Will Smith. It's a um, biopic about the father of Venus and Serena Williams. Um, Cry Macho, which is Clint Eastwood's next movie that he's directing and starring in. And last but certainly not least, the Matrix Four. Wow, that's right, The Matrix Four, 
will be hitting HBO Max the same day mm. as it hits theaters. So, mm. all in all, 17 films from Warner Brothers, their entire 2021 slate hitting the streaming service the same day as movie theaters. Um, this is, I mean, this is seismic. This is groundbreaking. There's really no other way to put it. Like, yeah. you know, we've seen all year studios sort of, you know, do do sort of piecemeal strategies like we're just going to examine one film at a time and and, and assess the strategy that way yeah. um, and then you know make a decision some movies you know we saw this year go to theaters like Tenet you mm-hmm. know that that was supposed to be the savior of movie theaters which you know is also a Warner Brothers picture I think we'll talk about Tenet more yep. um, they went to theaters um, but then we also saw another strategy from the likes of Disney who put Mulan on their streaming service but decided to still charge an extra price for it um, which by all accounts, didn't really work out all that well for them. Right. And then we've just seen some other films go straight to you know streaming, whether it be Netflix or mm-hmm. Amazon Prime. And then some films were just made available for PVOD, so you can rent rent them um, at a at a flat rate. And then after a certain amount of time, they would be avail- available um, for purchase. So all sorts of things have been tried thus far. However, nothing to this scale, nothing to this magnitude. I have one question for you, bro, yeah. as we just sit here and think about this and talk about this. Well, actually, I have two questions. One, what was your immediate reaction to finding out this news and to just you know seeing this? Mm-hmm. And the second question, are movie theaters dead? Is it over? Whew. First question, what was my initial thought? My initial thought was, how are they going to make money? because okay i mean we all know the subscription models you know of netflix and and uh hulu's and you know all all your streaming services but none have ever had um titles to this magnitude that cost Mm -hmm. this amount of money um and i guess um my other initial thought was um is is the whole point here for Warner Brothers to make sure HBO Max is a household name in every house, mm. pretty much in the world, if they can? Um, mm-hmm. It's I I I'm, I'm just trying to figure out what battle they're fighting at this point now. Not only, of course, there's multiple battles, right? It's like, the, are they fighting just the money battle, or is there are they fighting a Netflix battle? Like, because before. Right. Although HBA, HBO Max, of course, in, in some way has to be a competitor, you know, Netflix or Hulu, but it never felt like they were coming for them until now. Like, yeah. for me, now I'm like, y'all got some pr- trouble on your hands, Netflix. Like, after I read this, you, yeah, I was yeah. like, ooh, Netflix, what y'all gonna do? <laughs> Low key is right. kind of what, what I was thinking in the back of my head. Um, to answer the second question, are movie theaters dead? You know? <laughs> So part of the, it could be BS that what Ann Sarnoff said in big, bold, unique one-year plan, question mark. Quote, unquote, unique <laughs> one-year plan, like, question mark. sure. Uh, right. I guess it, I, I feel, but it does, to be fair, to Wonder Brothers, it all feels experimental, right? It's like, mm-hmm. is this going to work out? They don't know. But what's crazy to me is how they're willing to put so much on the line for this experiment. And so um, I feel like theaters, um, I don't, yeah, see, it, it just it just depends because now who is even obligated to go to the movie theaters? 
if they're not you and me. Right, because we're, bro, we're weird. We're we weird. Go the yeah. three, we go three, four times a week. We're you know? weird. Most, most people don't do that. Exactly. You know, most people are chilling at home. If they have the opportunity to wait mm-hmm. for something, they will more than likely. Like, yeah. I, I'm, I'm sure you talk to a lot of people. I talk to a lot of people. That I just wait till, you know, I can rent it or stream it or whatever. I just wait for Netflix. I've heard it most people several take times. And, like, yeah. uh, I feel like different movies are going to get very specific audiences in theaters on top of the people who are part of that niche audience who are still not going to go see it in the theater. Like, it's kind of, it's like, mm. what is the theater going to look like? Because the only thing I can imagine is, I don't know, like, the fact that they're returning to theaters afterwards is like, man, I really like that at home. I have to go see in a theater. And I don't know mm. if that's a business model that works, which again is so experimental for them, right? So it's like, right. yeah, I don't know. It's really hard because imagine there is, um, let's say, I don't know, the biggest Tom and Jerry fan you've ever seen. Um, they might just watch it at home for $15. Yeah. Multiple times. Exactly. Yeah, for a whole month, you can see it as you don't much have as to. You, want. you don't have to risk any. COVID anything, mm-hmm. you just pay your fifteen dollars because they they already said they're not changing prices right on subscriptions y- yet. Yeah, question mark there well, too. I, yeah, that that's a question for sure because they're fifteen right now, but mm-hmm. with I mean with what they're giving us, I I can't see them staying at that and, number for very and long. And to be honest, how can I not pay it? It sounds worth it to me. It's like we used to have AMC A list, now I got HBO Max. Like you know what I mean? Like that's what <laughs> right. it that's what it feels like. Um, so yeah. I, yeah, I guess those are my answers to those questions is like, how experimental are we being? Do they have a business model in place that we don't know about to where their money mm-hmm. isn't being hurt as bad as we think it is? Um, and how many people given this opportunity are actually going to go to the movie theater that don't look like me and you as, you know, big movie buff slash nerds. So sure. Yeah, man, I, I, so many thoughts and so many things ran through my mind as I've been able to just like sit back and think about this. I mean, um, to start off hearing this news was like, what the fuck? Uh, I, I was very surprised, mm-hmm. very taken aback. I, I, I remember, you know, seeing tweets come out like 20, 30 minutes before, like, get ready. The whole industry is about to change in like 20 minutes. And I'm thinking like, what, they going to say like Black Widow's going to Disney Plus? Like, big deal. Like, it, that's mm. not that, you know, that's not that significant. It's big, but it's not that significant. Mm-hmm. I was not expecting this news. This this definitely caught me off guard. Um, I don't think there's one reason for sure. Like, I think there's obviously a multitude of reasons as to why this decision was made. You talked about, you know, sort of what game is, you know, Warner Media um, and HBO Max playing at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that they're playing several games. One is definitely the subscription streaming wars yeah. whatever we want to identify it as right mm-hmm. it's no coincidence it's no coincidence man like we we talked about this on the show like a month ago uh we found out disney plus has 73 million subscribers mm. in a year yeah far exceeding their expectations i think that they projected that they would have 60 million by 2023 or something mm-hmm. like that mm-hmm. so they're way ahead they're already in second place now i think that news spooked uh specifically warner media mm-hmm. because they're not even close to that. I think, you know, the last time I checked, they have, for specifically HBO Max, they have 8.6 million active yeah. accounts. 
but there's like a potential of 26 million total accounts, but mm-hmm. people just haven't activated it yet because, mm-hmm. you know, the bundles and the internet and phone, all of that stuff, you know, I think there's just an awareness, again, that's just not there for the streaming service, yeah. which goes back to, again, things that we've already discussed. Their rollout was not, it was not it. Mm-hmm. They just they just didn't do a good job of rolling it out on top of the fact it's still not on Roku. Right. It's probably not going to be on Roku for quite some time at this point. Mm-hmm. So I think the business model of it is like we we absolutely have to get this we have to get this going yeah and we can't forget who warner media is owned by mm. at&t yeah at&t is a multinational multimedia conglomerate that's in the business of delivering delivering products and services they deliver internet they deliver phones that that's what they're in for. So yeah. if like HBO Max is a part of this big vision, that's what they're going to be behind. Mm-hmm. I wholeheartedly don't think that AT and T really gives a fuck about movie theaters, mm-hmm. which is why I think this decision was made almost hastily. Um, you know, sort of out of nowhere, it seems, because AT and T sort of being the top dogs that own Warner Media, owns Warner Media, I think that they were probably more behind this decision than anybody. Yeah, because they have a lot at stake with like the streaming service. Um, the other thought, of course, you know, the, the money, right? These mm-hmm. movies, like Godzilla versus Kong, that's easily like a hundred and eighty million dollar movie. Yeah, um, a lot Dune, of budgets here. Dune is probably, yeah, Dune is probably a hundred and fifty million. Suicide mm-hmm. Squad's probably one fifty, two hundred million. I mean, we're talking at this point, you add up everything, billions of dollars worth of content right here. Right. Um, and there's no way they're going to be able to make anywhere near close to the amount of money that they would have made if these were. In theaters during normal times when people were visiting right. the movies, but again, I think AT and T is being this 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 you know owner of Warner Media. Um, of course, they care about that investment and that money being lost on the table. But again, I think HBO Max is really the, the priority now, mm-hmm. not only because they're losing, um, you know, in the streaming wars, but because that matters more to their bottom line than keeping exhibitors and movie theaters happy. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. So. That's a thing there. Um, another thing that I was thinking about, you talked about the money and how much it's going to cost, right? We t- we, 17 films. 17 films that they're dropping, which means that we're probably going to get a new movie from them like every three weeks. It's crazy. Which makes it almost... It makes it almost senseless to unsubscribe from HBO Max. If you mm-hmm. if you sign up for Wonder Woman... yeah. To see it in December, probably three or four weeks later, you're going to get another big movie like Mortal Kombat, mm-hmm. and not and not everybody's going to want to see that. But that's yeah. that's the same thing that they would do in theaters. So it's like, why unsubscribe if I can get a new movie like every three weeks and it's a big movie, mm-hmm. you know? So you're gonna you're probably going to get subscribers and be able to keep keep those people, um, you know, who signed up, keep them on, you know, and keep them over the long haul. So I think it was if you're going to go for it, you have to go for it all the way. I mean. You know, I guess just like in closing on this initial just sort of, you know, stream of consciousness, I mean, you know, I don't know if they really had another option. Um, I mean, I guess they did. They could have done it like one by one. Like, we'll just take each movie and do a case by case basis. But I'm, I'm assuming they just, you know, sort of step back and assess the whole situation. We we know that the numbers for this pandemic at this point, it's not getting any better. And I, again, I think they just said, fuck it. Like. We're we're just not gonna sit on this stuff. We we talked about last episode interest payments on these massive loans that they have to take out to fund these movies. Like mm-hmm. it's only costing them more money to hold on to it. So yeah, and another way, um, I guess it was another way to think about the war 
is in my mind, if they do it right, if they, you know, market this right, they should instantly be in the lead. And this is why Netflix is known for their original shows, Orange is the New Black, Mm -hmm. Stranger Things, but they're also known for a lot of original movies too, right? Extraction, Mm -hmm. all these other movies. HBO, we have argued, I have argued, has always had better quality shows. It just it is sure. it's just HBO. It is what it is. Their content is uh, often unfiltered, but yet you know, poised, well put together. We'll talk about um, HBO show later. It's just amazing. And but mm-hmm. um, imagine HBO has better shows already, and then they start killing Netflix movies out of the gate, just instantly with one with a snap right. of a finger, right? And I think for that reason, imagine people do come for Wonder Woman. They're going to start mm-hmm. staying for Lovecraft Country and Watchmen and The Undoing and The Leftovers and The Sopranos. and You know what I mean? Like some people are going to be like, oh, man, all this is on here. I just came to watch Wonder Woman. And I think right. that Wonder Woman being a launch title in that way is genius. Um, of course, it makes the most sense. Right. It's a movie. We, we, one of the most highly anticipated movies we've been waiting for. But it's like, you know, it might be a, a nice two in one package deal that even between the lines that Warner is looking at that, you know, other people might not be uh, ready for. Yeah. They, and they, they really, they have a lot of work to do with even just like the branding of the platform. Cause mm-hmm. yeah, I know you remember that whole confusion. People were just confused about HBO go and HBO no, now, now and HBO max. And, right. Yeah. That was, that was a whole thing. So they had to, they just got rid of HBO go altogether, mm-hmm. you know? So I think they also, this will help that right like if 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 they have you know wonder woman and godzilla versus kong and the matrix they're pushing and pushing and pushing hbo max that's going to help with the branding and the awareness of it um but yeah they got to get people to sign up because they're 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 losing really bad and i i agree with you man they have not only the best quality shows but if you really just take some time to look at the hbo max library i mean the amount of stuff that they have it's really not close in terms of like the comparative, you know, titles from other streaming services. I mean, they just have depth, quality, yeah. and variety mm-hmm. all across the board. Exactly. And if you even look at this film slate, there's literally something here for everybody. Everybody. You have two superhero movies. Mm-hmm. You have animation. You have a video game adaptation. You have a musical. You have, you know, legacy, t- you know, sort of a legacy director, Clint Eastwood. You have, you know, really legacy, well-known actors. Denzel Washington has a project coming out. Um, like you know, biopics. They have really the gamut of everything you could have, yeah. right? So the diversity is there. Um, you know, so they're swinging. They're they're swinging for the fences and they're mm-hmm. going forward in hopes that that it'll pay off big time. Um, and for their sake, hopefully it does because this is a huge, huge gamble. But to your point earlier, um, if this works, if it if it turns, you know, attention to HBO Max and if it gets people signed up. I doubt that this is a one-year plan. Yeah. I call bullshit on that. There's yeah. no way, bro. Like, there's especially for these like movies that aren't costing two hundred million. They probably mm. cost like seventy million, yeah. eighty million, something like that, mm-hmm. under a hundred. I think that they'll definitely because it's like, why not? We still probably won't be back in a place of like regularly going to the movies, especially for something that's not like an a, an event film, right? So, yeah. mm-hmm. I call bullshit on that. I think they're definitely going to keep this going if it, if it works well, if it's showing improvement. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's so many things, man. I mean, I even thought about like just the structure and the pay for like actors and filmmakers. Like, you know, I'm not getting any of this money, so I don't have any investment, but um, just the thought that like they won't receive like back ends from the back box office anymore. You know, like big actors like 
a Leonardo DiCaprio or Robert Downey, when they negotiate their deals, they get a certain percentage of profits, yeah. you know, from the movie. Yeah. Um, once it hits a certain mark, they won't be able to do that anymore. Like a lot of actors won't be able to do that. Yeah. Bigger actors won't be able to do that anymore. So that's mm-hmm. a thing. Um, but it's, it's, it's so many considerations. Um, there really is. I do. I do know that this decision was not really this wasn't something that like Warner Media said, like, yeah, we need to call everybody involved and like let them know what we're doing. They kind of just announced this mm-hmm. like because Legendary, who partners with a lot of their movies. Um, oh, yeah. Dune and Godzilla versus Kong, which are going to come out uh, Legendary Pictures. There might be a lawsuit. Um, that they that they bring up on Warner Media because of just like the way that they handled the situation. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure certain filmmakers are not pleased. Like, uh, you know, how does Denis Villeneuve, you know, feel? Who made mm-hmm. Doom? How does he feel about this? You know, um, it's just it's so much to it, man. But I, I think, you know, as it relates to the state of movie theaters, you know, uh, selfishly it makes me sad because this doesn't help the case at all. Because that's a whole another conversation. Just like movie theaters being affected. Um, I think that this is a big, big, big nail in the coffin. I'm not going to say the coffin's closed, but it's it's the largest nail that you can put in the coffin for movie theaters. Yeah. Um, I don't know how they'll be able to rebound from this sort of situation, especially if we see other studios perhaps do the same thing. Mm-hmm. Like... We still got to think about what Disney's going to do mm-hmm. um, in the future. Universal. Universal and Sony. Like, who's to say that they won't do something similar? And even if it's not all in like this, like, they, I mean, they could still do something. Like, if, if Disney says, like, yeah, you know, not only is Soul coming to Disney+, Plus, but, yeah, Black Widow is, too. That Jungle Cruise movie we got. Like, they mm-hmm. might they might do, like, a, a quarter plan or something. I, I just think it's looking, it's looking really rough, man, because, like you mentioned, most people – they they would rather just stay at the crib and watch this if they can. Mm-hmm. The thought of like going out and being in a theater and dealing with crying babies and 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 loud talkers and you know all of this stuff like a lot of people would rather not deal with it if they had the choice and now they will. Man. So I'm about to give give me this, a seventy inch, an eighty inch, a, big, <laughs> a 100 inch Best Buy. What's up? Like. <laughs> The biggest TV I can find because we might as well get comfortable, it's man. Just like crazy, dude. It really is. It is there a movie? I mean, I guess at this point, like because it's happening, is there a movie now? I mean, we already knew that these were all coming out, but now we know that they're coming out. You know, and mm-hmm. we're gonna be able to see them at home. Is is there is there one or two that you're most looking forward to at this point? Especially uh, knowing that we're gonna be watching them at home. Of course, Wonder Woman. Mm-hmm. Um, Dune. I like. I just know that movie's gonna be fire. It looks amazing. Dune looks insane. Like across the board, just directing. All the actors are fire. Story is already good because it's already source material. It, yeah, cinematography. It, I just. I just know Dune is gonna go crazy. Um, I'm yeah. big Conjuring fan. So the Conjuring. Yes, is really really up there for me. Um, and to be honest, uh, Judas and the Black Messiah because I always love a nice mm. black biopic. Um, film. What about you? Absolutely. Oh, of course. Hold on. The Suicide Squad. <laughs> like, gotta mention. Of that. course, yeah, yeah, yeah. the Suicide Squad. But those yeah. are my biggest ones. Of course, I'm excited. You know, for other movies like The Matrix and stuff. But like, The Matrix was like, you know, it's the fourth movie. You know, where a lot of the other movies are like either the first or Suicide Squad being the second adaption. Where it's yeah, yeah. But yeah, 
excited nonetheless. Yeah, for sure. S- similar ones for me. I think I think definitely up there for me. Matrix Four is up there for me. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just big big Matrix fan. Um, even mm-hmm. though this is the fourth one, I'm just interested to see where where they go with this for sure you know, with this franchise because it's like I thought this was really over, but apparently it's not. Right. So I'm interested to see where they go with that. Mm-hmm. Of course, like you said, Suicide Squad. Um, and speaking of biopics, I'm I'm really interested to see this King Richard, yeah, you know, Will Smith, yeah. Um, I'm mm-hmm. really really looking forward to what he might bring with that role, especially we know a little bit about you know the the Venus and Serena family mm-hmm. and you know some of the things dealing with that. So I'm just kind of interested to see how they bring that to life. But yeah, um, this is this is crazy. I'm sure more is going to come from it. But again, looking ahead, um. Disney, they have an investor call this week happening. Um, they always announce big stuff at these investor calls. Um, it's likely that they're going to announce, obviously, a lot of new projects, like you know, new original series, mm-hmm. whether it's an MCU series or a Star Wars series. We're going to talk about one a little bit, little bit later. Um, but again, I wouldn't be surprised, man, if Disney, you know, does something that is. Not probably not as equally as ambitious as this, but you know something that steers in the direction of like, yeah, theaters are not going to be back anytime soon, so we're gonna we're gonna send some stuff to Disney Plus, and they'll 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 probably have their own wow. version or model of this, and uh, you know at that point, um, it'll be good to see the stuff for sure, mm-hmm. and I think business wise, it's the best case scenario, but a part of me is very sad because yeah. this just does not bode well for movie theaters, especially like smaller independent theaters too, like. Yeah, I, I just don't know how they're gonna make it through this, man. Like, yeah, you know, I actually read somewhere that um, the smaller ones might be the ones that make it more because mm-hmm. um, some of their light bills are cheaper and they're able to and they they're able to recycle more um, different kinds of content like old movies too. Sure. Like people can go see Back to the Future, but then it might be like three theaters and next door they can go see Wonder Woman or something. You know what I mean? Like I've heard, um, yeah, they, they actually might survive a little bit better than like a big AMC or something because of all those costs that AMC has and all that jazz. So we'll see. Yeah, that's fair. Smaller light bill, fewer screens, mm-hmm. all that stuff. Yeah. an AMC or, uh, you know, a Regal with like 25 screens, you know, and those are just not, you're not doing anything with those. Yeah. And when, like, those theaters, like, you, there's not really 25 movies ever playing at one time. Like, those big, big, like, huge theaters, like, those are made for, like, those big event releases. Mm-hmm. Like, 17 of those are going to play, like, Black Panther. No, really, <laughs> And though. then the other, <laughs> right. the other, you know, seven or for whatever movies, you know, just happens to be out on the same weekend. But, yeah, yeah, you, that's a good point. Mm-hmm. Like, it... It actually might be the saving grace for smaller theaters who can play old legacy content and mm-hmm. you know do stuff on a bit of a smaller scale. So and rent um, is less crazy. As, <laughs> yeah, yeah, rent exactly. Less, less yeah, mm-hmm. rent is definitely less crazy. Probably in less less um, less populated areas. Mm-hmm. Typically, like you know, you're not you're not gonna find an indie theater in like Times Square here in New York exactly. or anything like that. Like they're they're kind of ducked off. So that might bode well for them. But this is um yeah no boy no yeah I mean. W- We'll, we'll we'll see what happens over these next few weeks, but uh, again, Wonder Woman is up first, December twenty fifth, and on HBO Max and in theaters the same day. And then after that, we're just we're just gonna keep on rolling, and it's gonna be you know new movies, um, Fast and Furious for the rest of twenty twenty one. So we'll see how that shapes up, but um, it's 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 definitely a changing of the tide in this whole conversation for sure. Yeah. So um, we'll definitely keep up with it and let you all know what else develops over the next coming weeks. Um, but let's go ahead and move on, man. Let's talk about some reviews and things that we've seen. 
2018. Uh, we got to move over to the television side, of course, because lots of TV is still happening. They're, they're not so much affected by um, the, these huge streaming wars because TV TV's a little bit more nimble. They can, they can do some creative things, which we'll talk about here in a second, and a lot of TV was filmed last year, so we're getting a lot of stuff on the TV end. Uh, of course, we got to revisit The Mandalorian because we mm-hmm. haven't talked about that since our last episode, and some major shit has mm-hmm. happened since last mm-hmm. time. Yes. So we got two episodes to talk about. Big episodes. First up, Episode five, The Jedi. Yes. Uh, we've been waiting and talking about this for weeks, of course. The episode was directed by Dave Filoni. And spoilers, if you don't know now, you will know. Um, but if you haven't seen it and want to see it, pause, go watch it, come back and listen. But spoilers, it featured the premiere, the live action premiere of Ahsoka Tano, um, the very popular character from Star Wars, The Clone Wars, and Rebels, um, played by Rosario Dawson. Mm-hmm. What an episode, man. Um, the Jedi, I, I, I'll just start off and say, just boldly, frankly, I think it's the best episode of the series thus far, like any episode that they've ever done. Mm-hmm. It was just from beginning to end, um, I was so engrossed. Um, just for so many reasons, they didn't bury the lead. We saw her in the first frame of the damn show of the episode. Uh, they gave it to us off the top and she was kicking ass, which was amazing to see. I think Rosario Dawson looked incredible. Yeah. They kept the look so faithful, made a few small changes, but they made sense, but they kept the look so faithful to the animation style. Mm -hmm. Um, she was very stoic and seasoned in the role. Like mm-hmm. you can tell Ahsoka has been through a lot of shit at this point. Yes, she has. I really love to see that from her. Um, and of course, like so many other things, I mean, we found out baby Yoda's name, uh, Grogu is the name, which I don't know how many people are actually going to call baby Yoda Grogu at this point. People are going to still call him baby still, Yoda. Still baby Yoda around here. Mm-hmm. So that's a thing. Um, and then, of course, like the, the final act of the episode, just like the whole battle and the just the amazing stuff we saw with the lightsaber and the Beskar, um, you know, staff. It was just it was incredible, man. I just I was so wrapped up and engrossed in the entire episode yeah. for, for the entire runtime. And I think I think they did an exceptional job. And it's honestly, you know, I think this we kind of knew this, but it, for me, it cemented, man, that the Mandalorian, I have to say, is the best it's the best Star Wars that we've gotten in the Disney era. I think I think it's right mm. there at this point. Like I, I you know I, I like the Last Jedi as a movie, and I'm you know I'm cool with the Force Awakens, and there's been you know a few things here and there. Rogue One is really good, of course, but the Mandalorian and what they're doing just on a week to week basis has just been yeah. just been astonishing. And the fact that we're getting it on TV on a streaming service is is yeah. crazy. So I, I really liked it. Yeah, I know it's been like a struggle for a Star Wars fans a little bit between all the um the last trilogy um you know all the mm-hmm. mumbo jumbo that's been going on there but i still gotta say it's it's still a good time to be a star wars fan you know um between of course the mandalorian but and when things start to clear up we're gonna have galaxy's edge again finally to go to and to go see mm-hmm. and then um we're, something else is happening too in the star wars world that's gonna be great um but this episode of the mandalorian boy it was Everything I wanted. I'm a huge Ahsoka Tano fan, um, have been for a very long time. Uh, it was great seeing her in live action to begin with and then played by such a beast <laughs> as Rosario Dawson is. 
was amazing um everything I, I i like finally getting into a lot of the nitty-gritty dealing with uh the child grogu young baby Yoda. i don't even know what to call myself anymore to be honest <laughs> uh too many names too many names um and you know uh i really like roots of things and like they told us how old he was he was like 50 or something and i was like what right but, Crazy. but it makes sense though, because Yoda's like the oldest nigga ever. So it makes sense that he's like nine hundred. So it makes sense yeah, some crazy shit. that this child is fifty, but that's like really young to them. You know, that makes so mm-hmm. much sense to me. I was like, dang, that makes a lot of sense. So like, it's still you know cool to see he had been trained already a little bit. I was like, I knew he wasn't moving this shit on accident. Niggas just don't wake up and move shit. No, that nigga had training. Right. Um. <laughs> so it was cool to see that too. But one of the biggest things that came out of the episode. Um, huge spoiler again go watch the episode if you haven't um was the mention of um grand admiral thrawn y'all that is mm-hmm. huge 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 on top of huge because it makes sense by the way that this is directed by dave filoni of course he put all this shit together as he should um but uh grand admiral thrawn was um one of the main antagonists of star wars rebels which mm-hmm. is so crazy that um he was mentioned i'm not gonna go too in too many spoilers of rebels but it may give us a hint that another big character from rebels may be alive um ezra right. so uh, again that was a huge spoiler if you haven't watched it please go watch it um that is crazy y'all we are now with that one mention of grand admiral thrawn we may have just combined the storylines <laughs> of rebels ahsoka by herself combined the whole storyline of clone wars like we're it's like y'all need to start watching these animated shows is what star wars is saying dave filoni like you need to go watch my shit (laughs) bro it's paid off like all those people who watched and put in all those hours because clone wars is like 130 episodes Mm -hmm. rebels is like 75 80 episodes all those people who put in the time to like sit there and watch week to week you know when it was coming on or you know binge it afterwards like it's paying off now yeah. and more you know even more so to the point um it was reported that after that episode after the the mandalorian episode viewership for the clone wars on disney plus significantly increased because yeah. people people who probably didn't know you know went and was like oh wait let me go see this character and like you know disney has like a whole playlist of like the most important episodes from the clone wars to watch mm-hmm. it's like the top 20 yeah most important ones you need to see so yeah man you, you're right like the connections that it's making from those animated series and also how it's tying together the original trilogy yeah and the sequel trilogy yep. like it's that bridge yeah, in it's between literally those. the middle like, yep yeah um, it's doing a lot of stuff like again just doing what you know i feel like you know to what you said some of these recent movies it's been a little bit hard to watch because they haven't done it so gracefully Mm -hmm. but the mandalorian every week it's like damn that makes so much sense Mm -hmm. and yes it works it works so much so yeah great stuff yeah uh which brings to episode six of course which you know created more connections and only added more to the mythology and the lore of this we we we've brought back a character which Somehow I don't you know, I don't really get this, Des, bro. Like I, I don't understand how spoilers if you haven't seen the most recent episode of The Mandalorian, but Boba Fett officially returns in full form, in costume, everything. Yeah. Boba Fett comes back. I don't understand how Boba Fett got so popular over the years. Like we saw him mm-hmm. briefly in the Empire Strikes Back, and then he 
we thought he died in Return of the Jedi, <laughs> and somehow he became a fucking phenomenon over the past like yeah. 35, 40 years, yeah. and he hasn't really been around, but um, we finally got him in full form in this episode. They teased it in the first episode, of course, and uh, we, we saw Boba Fett and the appearance of him and how he helped out Mando, and you know now he's a part of this, this, this mm-hmm. team that you know it seems like Mando is assembling, and of course by the end of it, we saw the capture of Grogu, um, the dark troopers and Moff Gideon. Um, they finally gained control of Grogu um, for reasons that are still somewhat mysterious, but we have a little bit of insight into, into why they want him. But uh, yeah, man, the Boba Fett connection is crazy because it's like the super popular character who's now finally had a moment to show why he's such a badass. Because mm-hmm. everybody always talks about this guy's a badass and now we finally saw in this episode like yeah you probably don't want to mess with him because he he can handle he can handle anything in his path but i thought i thought it was i mean it was a obviously the jedi episode was just like on another level but this you know this was still a good episode for sure because it had a lot of it had a lot of stakes you know there was a lot of dramatic tension um a lot at stake of course and by the end of it you're you're like fuck they got him like you really don't want it to happen and you're really invested in the storyline and you know now it's it's kind of gone left and now mando has to he got to get the gang back together to figure out how they can you know get grogu back from from all of this this, this trouble this is becoming one cool ass team up <laughs> uh thing going on here um yep it I honestly cannot tell you why Boba Fett is so um, popular. I think maybe around that time, somebody expanded on the Mandalorian lore. um, Mm. And, you know, they told us how maybe Boba Fett wasn't a true Mandalorian. and His dad, Jango Fett, did this and that. And just the look. Like, the look. Mandalorian armor just looks really fucking cool, to be honest. And I think that's part of a lot of the popularity, for real. Because it's so... um, in, in a lot of ways, it was mysterious at the time, too. It was like, this is a race of people, but I only see this one dude? <laughs> where are these niggas? Right. Like, where where everybody else at? And I think that, you know, I think that piqued a lot of people's interest. And then once they got darker into, or deeper into, like, some story and some lore, people started to love um, the, the Mandalorian everything. And I think that's kind of how Boba Fett got so popular is, like, this non-Mandalorian who wears the armor of them <laughs> yeah. moving throughout the galaxy as a bounty hunter. I don't know. It's just a cool story. It's just a cool little story. Uh, but I think um, we talked about action sequences on the uh, the chase. I was like, that was one of my favorite action sequences of um, the series. This now right. contains my favorite action sequence of Boba Fett putting uh, spoilers, putting his armor back on and whooping <laughs> ass yeah. because oh man, what actually before the armor because what what I don't know what the name of the weapon was, whatever it was. It was mm. actually some of the more violent Star Wars I've ever seen. Of course, there's like dismemberment and stuff like that, but this nigga was smacking skulls, y'all, and like it was like yeah. cracking helmets, and stabbing, and stab- people. I was like Star Wars. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it was. It, I, I thought about that when, when he when he stabbed the dude. Yeah. I was like, wait, <laughs> we, we don't ever see yeah, this in Star Wars. Like, this is kind of violent. Yeah, I said, oh, this got kind of dark, and I was like, oh, I like this. <laughs> Uh, so right. yeah, that I think that's now my favorite action sequence um, in the Mandalorian. Just seeing that whole nitty gritty, what the hell's going on kind of action sequence. It was really dope to see. And then the fan service, just I had to applaud it. How could you not? He saves them last minute with his armor back on, and 
knowing Man. exactly how to use it instantly. It was like worn too. Like it was, it was just really cool. Um, really dope episode. Um, I seen the ending coming. I think a lot of us seen the ending of the episode kind of coming, um, where the taking of Grogu happens. Um, but boy, I'm ready for the team up. Bring everybody, man. Bring everybody. Just let's just have it like an Avenger style Mandalorian man. situation. Like <laughs> it just needs to happen ASAP because they are yeah. they're really building it to to something big and it's super exciting. But yeah, these these last two episodes, man, they really they really nailed it. They really nailed it big time. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, it just proves to be just like some of the most interesting Star Wars stuff that we've seen in the past, you know, five six years ever since Disney sort of came in control of it. So I'm I'm just excited to see. Obviously, these last two episodes, it's a, it's a joy to just wait week to week and see just like this one episode. Like, I really I really enjoy it, you know, and it gives me time to like if mm-hmm. I want to watch it again. Like, I watched The Jedi three times. Like, I was I was just in it so much. So it's just like it's good to, to, to sort of have that option now at this point. So I'm not mad at it. So right. definitely shout out to the folks mm-hmm. at The Mandalorian. We're going to move on to some other TV, some some, you know, some stuff that just came out. We, we talked about creative things happening in the TV landscape. Well, um. This is this is interesting because HBO again, you know, going back to those those folks that we talked about a little bit earlier, um, they have a really popular show that debuted last year called Euphoria, um, which I'm sure a lot of you you all have heard about at this point, starring Zendaya. Um, she won an Emmy this year for her role as Rue in the show. Um, so season one came out last year. Right when the pandemic happened, um, they they were gonna start filming on season two of Euphoria like on a on a Monday, and they found out that they were shut down like three days before on a Friday. So um, they were ready to go, mm-hmm. but things obviously halted the production. However, they still managed to give us a treat. They still filmed two episodes in the midst of this pandemic. Um, more yeah. more constrained, stripped down episodes. And the first one premiered this past week called Rue. Um, and it premiered yeah. on HBO Max over the weekend. And it's really it's really serving as a bridge episode between seasons one and two. So it's not the official start of season two. But again, it's a bridge episode. And again, it's it's really stripped down and quiet for a lot of it um the the majority of the episode like 95 percent of it takes place in a diner and it's just a conversation between two people um whereas like the opening and the closing scenes are you know different things but the the bulk of Mm -hmm. this episode is just a conversation um so with all of that said man you know what did you what did you think about this uh this sort of bridge episode for euphoria what were your thoughts on it to be honest, I loved it a lot. Um, I, I've seen different, um, of course, uh, a lot of people, you know, saying they didn't like it or it was too long or, um, but I really did like it. Uh, I think one, knowing it was a special episode, I had already felt it was going to be different than the regular show. I was like, I don't know what this is, but I know it's not going to be the same pace. It's not going to be the same thing as the regular show. Um I also like it because I got another great glimpse um, at uh, Sam Levinson um, and the things that he can do as a director and what's coming in Malcolm and Marie later, mm. um, him being the director of Malcolm and Marie. And I was I was like, him and Zendaya just have, are just building a relationship. You know, it might become one of those things later down the line. Um, that's, you know, a uh, Sam Levinson, Zendaya relationship might happen, mm. you know, to where, um, we get that more, more, more frequently. But I really love this episode. Um, I think Coleman Domingo was man; he killed the whole thing, man. the whole time. Like just 
that's what I, I mean. That's who you're listening to. You know, the majority of the time, even though Zendaya's in it, really, she's take she she's the taking the back seat. You know, she's the one asking her questions and telling, giving her life advice um, throughout the episode. But um, it really is. I love how stripped down it is. Um, I think it's. Uh, I love how conversational it is. Um, you can just sit and just listen to what they're talking about, and they talk about real shit mm-hmm. for a long time, and. Uh, may I, I get it? A lot of people don't like that. I loved it. I thought I thought it was great. Um, uh, great storytelling. I really did. It's it's like what does what does this very specific time in Rue's life mean, and and what she's looking for. And it's a really good, uh, I guess conversation and look, um, onto you know people with mental health issues or. Um, drug issues or drug abuse and I just thought it was a really important episode I was engaged the entire time no matter if it was just dialogue Um, I thought the cinematography even how little it was was really sensational Um, and I thought it told enough of a meaningful story for me Um, so again I loved it man what about yourself yeah I you know I might be in the minority here but for the main series of Euphoria, I, I I've had a lot of issues with the, I guess the 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 stylistic and creative choices of the show of the mm-hmm. main series. Yeah, a lot of times I felt like it's been, uh, style over substance. Whereas like mm-hmm. we have great music, it's a great soundtrack. We have wonderful effects and lighting and it's moody and it looks beautiful yeah. and it feels dreamy and i and i you know that that's a little bit of the point of the show because some of it some of it is from the perspective of rue who we know is you know addicted to, to to drugs and so they're creating this sense of no pun intended euphoria to to convey that right visually um but i do felt that at times during season one, they overdid it and they lost track of mm-hmm. story and character development. I was I was hoping for more, mm-hmm. and I, but I will say, you know, rewatching it after after like initially seeing it, I felt like it aged better on my on my rewatch, and and I enjoyed it a lot more. Um, and there's definitely mm-hmm. standouts, and I think Zendaya is an incredible actor, and she 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 does a phenomenal job. And when I saw this, and after I was done, I was I was. Very, very impressed, you know, because of all the things you said, um, it changes the pace completely of what we're used to with this show. And I and I really like that. Mm -hmm. I really like that it took a different direction. It didn't give us what we're used to seeing, um, especially because of the nature of it and the fact that it's set on Christmas Eve. Um, Mm -hmm. She clearly doesn't really want to be at home, which is interesting. Like she doesn't want to be with her family on Christmas Eve. Coleman Domingo's character Ali doesn't really have family to be with on Christmas Eve and we see why you know yeah. in this episode mm-hmm. it makes so much sense as to why they would come together and have this long conversation and yeah I was just riveted by it I thought that the script was very well written um again Sam mm-hmm. Levinson I I liked I like seeing this different dimension of him him really really putting in some work into the script, you know, and it, it wasn't perfect by mm-hmm. any means, but him putting some real work into the script and, right. and making us be invested in these characters. And again, yeah, I, I'm, I'm just the type of person that if, if the dialogue is interesting and I care about the characters and it feels genuine and yeah. real, you can talk for an hour and I'm going to be plugged in. And I was like, I was completely tuned mm-hmm. in. It was very emotional. 
Um, I found myself yeah. a lot of times being like, wow, they're 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 saying some stuff that at certain points for me hits close to home and even things I can't relate to because I do care about this character. I can feel and empathize mm-hmm. and, and, and feel the pain, you know, that's being conveyed. And again, Zendaya is just, I mean, she's so damn good and she's so young. Like she has so much ahead of it's, her and it's crazy. So ridiculous. It's crazy how fucking talented she really is. And of course, Coleman yeah. Domingo sort of being the captain of the ship and steering the conversation that man was just mm-hmm. hitting on all cylinders for the entire episode. It was, yeah. it was, it was, it was astonishing to just see how riveting the dialogue could be at certain points. And and one other small thing I noticed, I don't know, and I don't think that they did this in the original show. And I could be wrong, but it felt like that they shot this on film and not digitally because as I was watching it, you could see like film grain uh-huh. and 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 pops uh-huh. of the film and cra- like I don't know if they've done that with the original show or. Even if they filmed this digitally and they just did that in post production to convey a certain effect, but you can you could see the imperfections in the film quality, mm-hmm. and I actually really loved that because of where they were at. They were in a diner. Yeah. It was at nighttime, and it's on Christmas Eve, so it gave it this real photographic old feel. And a lot of you know older Hollywood style movies, like a lot of it is just dialogue, right? So. I, they didn't talk about that in the behind the episode, you know, sort of feature it afterwards. But I, 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 that was like one other small technical aspect of it I noticed. But again, mm-hmm. you know, everything you said, spot on. I agree, um, as well as other things. It was, I think, it was a great, a great episode of TV. And I'm looking forward to part two, which we found out is going to be about Jules, um, you know, which is sort of the other yep. half of this this equation. Rue and Jules, their relationship. We're gonna see her mm-hmm. her side of, I guess, the story and how you know it looks like they broke up. So we'll see that January twenty fourth, I believe, is coming out. But yeah, it was it was just great work yep. all around from them. Really, really, really dope to see. Agreed. 100%. All right, man. Well, we talked about TV. Let's move on to the movie side of things. Uh, definitely got a few movies to talk about. Black Box, um, which premiered mm. recently on Amazon Prime Video. Uh, that film was directed, excuse me if I get the pronunciation wrong, it was directed by Emmanuel Osei Kufour Jr. It was also written by yep. him and Stephen Herman um, and starring uh, Mamudu Ati, Felicia Rashad, Amanda Christine, um, Tosin Morahunfola and Troy James. Again, excuse me if I did not get those pronunciations correctly, but uh, that film just re- recently premiered on Amazon Prime Video. We also held a movie night mm-hmm. for it. Um, Two Black Nerds movie night. Held a movie night to watch that film um, to see Black Box. Um, I also got a chance to check it out and see it. Um, and and I, you know, I'll say I I think for the film. Um, I, li- I liked it. I liked it. I thought I thought it was pretty good. And I, you know, mm-hmm. I think it's interesting that uh, it, it's really interesting to see that we're 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 already in the phase. And we mentioned this last episode. We're already in the phase where it feels like Jordan Peele has become an influence on other people. Mm-hmm. And I felt that I felt that that was clear in this movie that like two years later, yeah, that that Jordan <laughs> Peele obviously Get Out was mm-hmm. an influence on this movie. Um, mm-hmm. Black Mirror is an influence on this movie. Mm-hmm. Like, there's, there's obviously this sci-fi thriller horror sort of uh, era that I think we're living in with like 
non-traditional horror movies that are taking more of a sci-fi yeah. approach, right? And so that move, this mm-hmm. movie, I should say, Black Box, um, took a lot of those qualities, it felt like, and, and, and really sort of used that to leverage the story. Um, and it tells the story mm-hmm. of a man who was in a car accident. He has like a, you know, like a sh- memory loss situation. He's trying to remember things, but... Um, as with a lot of movies lately, and another movie we'll talk about right after this, um, things aren't what they seem. Um, something is off. Something is wrong. And so I won't spoil it, of course, for those who haven't seen it. But mm-hmm. by the end of it, you know, I liked it. I thought it was a, I thought it was a, a good twist, an interesting twist that they had in it um, that I appreciated. Yeah. And I thought it wrapped up pretty nicely. Um, and it was, mm-hmm. yeah, I thought it was fine. Um, I thought it was, you know, a serviceable movie and it wasn't too long. It was like an hour and 40. So you kind of get in, get out. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the main star of it, uh, Mamudu Ati, um, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. He, I thought, I thought he did a really good job too. I really liked him in the film oh, yeah. and, and Felicia Rashad. She's always a pleasure to watch as well. She, she's obviously a um, legend. So, um, she yeah. played something different in, in this role too, in this, in this movie too, like something you're not used to seeing her. Oh, it was weird coming from jingle jangle <laughs> to see yeah to, to this right black box yeah exactly yeah um, what'd you think about the movie though uh i liked it i too liked it a lot um you know you watch there's not a lot of um black horror on the big screen there may be a lot of black horror but it's not a lot of black horror that's either easily accessible or there's a lot of it you just don't know about um it, w- it was nice um seeing black box kind of be put on a small pedestal from amazon um giving us something to watch um like you said i thought it was a really great watch um whoever played uh the main characters um mama duati's daughter was she did phenomenal yes i don't know what's going on with these kids recently where they find but kids bag. are killing it they really are i don't know where they are but they're like because if you watch some movies back in the day you'd be like dang these kids suck <laughs> or dang these kids suck <laughs> yeah this kid should not be acting in a big budget movie bro i was watching um the first uh pet cemetery around spooky season Ooh. um and the little boy is amazing, yeah. but the little girl is terrible. Yeah. I'm like, what is going on here? And it's just like, it's been constantly, we've been seeing these amazing kids recently in the past couple of years, just like knock it out of the water. I'm like, I don't know if the coaching has gotten better or the, something in the water. I don't know what it <laughs> is, but she killed it. Um, like I'm always being in love with Felicia Rashad. Pop up on my screen anytime. <laughs> just welcome at any moment. Yeah. Um, Welcome. And like you said, uh it's it's it really is it's, it's a nice uh it's it's a nice written movie, I think. Um not ten out of ten, not you know, but still really good. It's a good watch. And I think uh if you wanna watch something that's spooky but not too too spooky, um this is a definitely a great watch, especially being, you know, a a black film. So um for that, you know, definitely give applause uh for this movie and you should watch it if you haven't. I think it I think it I will recommend this movie mm. for sure. Yeah, to- for sure, for sure. Yeah, and I mean, you know, sort of in the same sort of family of that we're talking about, you know, thriller and suspense movies. Run uh just recently premiered on Hulu and mm-hmm. this movie is directed by Anish Shiganti who directed uh Searching a couple of years ago, also written by him. Mm, what a movie. Yeah, for sure. Also written by him and uh Sev Ohanian um and starring Sarah Paulson and Kira Allen. Um and this movie was certainly something that was 
unexpected for me. I was very surprised by by what was unfolding on the screen. Obviously, will not yeah. give anything away here. This is no spoilers, but. Uh, again, I, I you know I, I really appreciate and like the era that we're in. We're sort of getting these movies that, in in the I would say in the horror thriller genre, we're sort of suspending. We're getting rid of all the exposition, like the unnecessary exposition mm. that happens, like maybe in the beginning yeah. of the movie or like you know a quarter of the way through, whatever. And we're just kind of getting into we're getting into situations that are already underway. Shit's already happening by the time we find characters, which is the case in Run. Mm-hmm. We we meet a mother and her daughter. Her daughter is applying to college, um, but as you see, her daughter has a lot. She got a lot of stuff going on with her. She's uh, confined to a wheelchair. Um, she's allergic to certain things. Um, she has a lot of just you know uh, physical physical things happening with her, um, and so her mother is very protective of her and cares for her, and she's very specific in the food that she gives her because she's also diabetic. Yeah. Um, so. Her yep. mother's just very protective and very cautious of the things that her daughter does, but her daughter is, is on the verge of going to college. And so, you know, that that's obviously a time where, you know, the children sort of leave the nest and go off into the real world. But that that that's mm-hmm. where the that's where the movie changes and things start to become really interesting. But Run is uh I, I, I was I was very, very into this film. I was very wrapped up and and, and engaged with it. Um it yeah. definitely um, surprised me. Um, there's another. There's a twist in this movie as well, and that twist definitely caught me mm-hmm. off guard, and I was not prepared for. It, and I was like, "Holy shit, that changes a lot of stuff." Um, but it, mm-hmm. it, it keeps it keeps you engrossed, and again, it just it puts you in the middle of the story, um, and it doesn't give you all the information. But then when it does, it does so in a really you know really creative way, um, and it and it gets it done quickly. The the part of the movie in the middle where you have to do the, you know, sort of the exposition dump, it does it quickly and it has to happen. Um, but it happened in a really, I think for the most part, somewhat of an organic way. You can kind of question the logic of it, but I think mostly it was an organic way to reveal the information that's needed to, to understand the story. Um, and then lastly, I mean, Sarah Paulson, um, one of the best working actors today, bar none, I think she, she does, incredible work in everything she does and she she i don't know yep. what it is but she loves playing some dark shit bro like she she's always choosing some very troubled Man. dark roles i'm like what's going on in your head sarah paulson um yeah. and then also kira allen she's making her feature film debut here um and she's also mm-hmm. in real life she uses a wheelchair um so this is yeah. considered the first major thriller movie in 70 years to star uh, a person that uses a wheelchair and uh wow. she was sensational and because she really uses a wheelchair in real life you can tell that everything that was happening in the movie where it, that becomes a part of the plot um they didn't have ass mm-hmm. it it was very real and you felt it you you really mm-hmm. felt it so i thought i thought this this was this was a great great watch i really enjoyed it yeah agreed um this movie here y'all yeah they beasted to be honest like i'm I've, this is only uh, Anish Chagnitty's, however you say his name, last name, I'm sorry. Um, this is already his second movie, and I'm like, you need to start pumping these things out. Mm-hmm. Um, because Searching is, that movie is really, really good if you haven't seen it. Um, like, go, like, see, I don't know where to watch it, but y'all need to watch Searching ASAP if you haven't. Really fire movie. Um, and then here we come to Run, where it's just this 
this thriller where at certain times you're almost like, oh, this might be too tense. But you like you want it to end because of that. But you also never want it to end, you know, at the same time. I know it sounds crazy, but you get it if you watch the movie. Um, and there's um, there's some more nerd stuff real quick. The editing is great. Yes. <laughs> the editing is really phenomenal. There's some um, like quiet sound design um, that um, if you've. Uh, if you've seen, of course, A Quiet Place that you'll love, like, there's some quiet sound design in there that you're like, man, how are they doing this? And I know I know it sounds weird, but it's, it's just really crazy stuff. Um, but, um, again, not to echo you too much, man, it's just a really good movie. Uh, I think, like you said, it surprised me. Um, I, I figured it was going to be good because I'm not sure I've ever seen Sarah Paulson in anything bad. Very true. Uh, to be honest. Yeah. Um, there's some stuff that may not be as great as others, but it's never been bad, mm-hmm. ever, from Sarah Paulson. Um, and so uh, it, it it caught me off guard. It's probably it's one of my it's probably one of better better thrillers I've seen in a long time, to be honest. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of like something a thriller recently. I've been like, oh man, I was crazy, and I can't in recent memory I can't remember. Yeah. Uh, a lot of the better films I've seen have either been you know more dramas or um, you know other sort of films, but thriller wise. Yeah, it's kind of hard. Yeah, uh, I think there's a, a few that I've recently seen, and I think that they've recently come out, um, and they, they kind of fit within this this genre, too. It's it's thriller, mm-hmm. but it's also, I don't, I don't know how to really describe it, but there's also this yeah. this uh, this medical angle that's brought into it, like, mm. like Unsane is a really, really yeah. good movie. Unsane is actually crazy, um, and... It brings in this whole mm, yes. medical um, treatment angle, and it, you know, it really and it really sort of examines that, and it, sort of like whether or not a person is really mentally ill or not, and you're you're kind of questioning it throughout yeah. the entire movie. And another one I do want to mention, who I think it, it's also yeah, these are these are both Steven Soderbergh movies. Side effects. Side effects is another like thriller. Mm, never seen that. So, yo, oh my, yo, check. <laughs> that I, Channing Tatum, um, uh, not Kate Mara, um, Rooney, Rooney. Rooney Mara, Rooney Mara, Channing Tatum, mm-hmm. um, and um, damn, I can't remember his name. He was in Captain Marvel. He was the villain. Um, uh, Jude Law. Jude Law. Yes, yes. Thank you. I drew a blank. Yeah. Jude Law, Channing Tatum, Rooney Mara. Check out side effects. Oh my God, this th- that. That's probably the best thriller I've seen in like the past like five years. But this this mm-hmm. this is this is definitely in that conversation. But that's that's also another movie. I, I you know I use all these examples because they're using like this medical angle and just like treatment and, mm-hmm. and mental illness and physical illness to tell this story. Yeah. And I'm just noticing this trend that's happening lately, and I really like yeah, it. They tried to they tried to do that with a uh, fractured on Netflix. Oh yes, um, yeah. Yeah, they tried to do that. That was also like a mental, medical thing going on there. Um, oh, and randomly, one of my favorite things about Unsane, you talked about Unsane, um, was the fact it was shot on an iPhone. Like the whole movie was shot on an iPhone. Which I didn't know until after I watched that, it, right? Like it was like, it, it, looked, it looks professional as hell. And then after <laughs> you see so like, bonkers wait, to me. what? Like, and, and it's, yeah, it's crazy. It's like, there's no excuse. No, it was really not. <laughs> there's no excuse. 
<laughs> but yeah, step it up. Sure. Yeah, so definitely uh, check out Run. I think we both would would, would highly recommend Run if you haven't. Um, run right now, run right now, and watch run, run and go watch it <laughs> for sure. Yes. Um, and the, the last movie to, to 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 briefly talk about here uh, on Netflix just recently premiered this past weekend, Mank, which is David Fincher's latest movie. Um, the yeah. film was also written by his uh, his late father, Jack. His pappy. Um, yeah, and it, he he wrote the script in the '90s and um, tried to get the movie made, but it didn't happen. So he made uh, he made the game instead with Michael Douglas. Um, so this has been sort of a passion project for David Fisher for like 20 years, um, and it's starring Gary Oldman, um, who's playing Herman J. Mankiewicz. Um, so it's a bi- biopic movie, um, and Herman J. Mankiewicz. If you don't know, he is the screenwriter for Citizen Kane, which Citizen Kane mm-hmm. is often regarded as the greatest movie ever made. I mean, the, the AFI 100 named it the greatest movie ever mm-hmm. made like twice. And a lot of film critics say that and stuff like that. Um, Citizen Kane is obviously one of those legendary movies that, you know, if you're into film, nope. you hear about it. Um, I, and I would say you like, I, I've never known Citizen Kane as not being the greatest movie. Like, like that's all I've ever known it as. I've never known it as just like a mm-hmm. movie. The first time I ever heard about it, it was like, this is the greatest movie ever made, you know? And, and then I saw it and I'm like, oh yeah, it's absolutely great. And I can see why people would say that, blah, 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 blah. But that's not what we're talking about. Anyway, we're talking about Mank, um, you know, this biopic. And, you know, I gotta say, Fincher, I wouldn't say that he's my favorite director, but he's definitely in that conversation. He's one mm-hmm. of my favorite directors because mm-hmm. all his movies mm-hmm. are just crazy ridiculous and on another level he reminds me a lot of like alfred hitchcock which i really enjoy um yeah this movie is certainly not my favorite of his um Mm -hmm. i think that i think a lot of what it does right it gets a lot of like that old hollywood aesthetic right it's shot in black and white of course um Mm -hmm. they do a lot of stuff in post-production to make it seem like an aged film like the sound, like a lot of the sound is recorded and it has like a, an echo. So you hear like a lot of ambient sound, um, which mm-hmm. was kind of a, a flaw from like earlier films and, and stuff like that. And it, it, it definitely has a lot of the technical aspects to make it feel like you're watching this movie from like 1930s Hollywood, this old era. Um, so I really appreciated mm-hmm. that from a technical aspect, but I wasn't, honestly, I wasn't that, um, I wasn't that taken away by the story of it. It didn't. It didn't really capture mm-hmm. me. I thought Gary Oldman he did a really good job. And like Herman J. Mankiewicz, he's he's a notorious alcoholic. So like his whole demeanor yep. and mood and mentality throughout the entire movie, and I'm sure perhaps in real life too. He's drunk like Oldman. He's just drunk all the fucking time. Just like <laughs> just you know. Mm-hmm. And and it's also a story about him like actually meeting a deadline to get the script done. You know. So yeah. his demons and his drunkenness and his alcoholism is preventing him from getting the script done and from making progress and Mm -hmm. you know it turns out to be like the most important movie ever and somehow he was able to get it done and you know whatever the case may be but you know i thought he did a good job but the story just didn't really wrap me up in the way that i was hoping Mm -hmm. that it would especially because it's a movie about the making of a movie which i really i really enjoy that type of stuff i really enjoy seeing Mm -hmm. um you know movies that way there's another movie that's just called hitchcock and it you know it's it's starring um um I'm really doing terrible with names today. Um <laughs> Silence of the Lambs. Um Hannibal Lecter. Oh, uh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh nah, dang, you're gonna make me forget. Um <laughs> can't remember. Anyway, um it's about it's called Hitchcock and it's about the making of Psycho. Um and so 
that was, you know, specifically about the making of obviously Alfred Hitchcock's most famous movie. Um, and I really like Anthony that. Hopkins. Anthony Hopkins. I was gonna say Anthony Reed. The, why am I thinking one of the one of the one of the goats too? I was one, like, why can't one I think of the goats? Why am I thinking about the Chiefs coach? I don't know. Um, I'm the <laughs> I'm not even a Chiefs <laughs> fan. But anyway, um, yeah, I really I really like that movie because it showed like the making of you know Psycho, which is mo- you know Alfred Hitchcock's most famous movie, and it takes you back to a certain area of Hollywood. Yeah. So I like stuff like that. So I was really hoping to like this on top of the fact that it's David Fincher. Um, but it just mm-hmm. didn't it didn't take me away like I thought I would. I was just kind of like okay. That that was that was fine. It's not a bad movie by any means, but I don't think I'll ever watch it again. This is probably like a one and done sort mm-hmm. of deal. Um, it and it might get yep. nominated for a bunch of stuff and get all these awards, but not something I particularly enjoyed and said like I love this movie because I I didn't. It was it was cool. It was fine. So yeah, I, uh, there's a couple things about that for me. Um, I too, I feel the exact same way. David Fincher is amazing. He's Probably not my favorite director, like you said, but, you know, he's always going to be in that conversation just because the kind of movies he makes. Um, and this just wasn't his film. You know, it was just like not a David Fincher movie. Yeah. It's like a movie directed by David Fincher, but it's not a David Fincher movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that, That's so, a great way to put uh, it. Though. Great way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like there are things I do really love about the movie. Of course, the the cast is crazy. Um, by itself I think Amanda Seyfried I've been waiting for her to do more roles like this um, where she she gets put into completely different characters Um, she's she's finally moving out of like that you know that high school thing that kept putting her in over and over and she's like getting into some more um, mature stuff so I I really did love her in this film Um, I I love the black and white I think it's beautiful there were some shots in there I was like ooh, that looks really nice it's all fine and dandy but uh, you know i think i'm with i think part of the reason maybe it just didn't click with me as much so maybe, maybe it's, it may be my demographic am i am i not old enough you know Certainly, to like yeah really um you know it kind of kind of uh envelop myself uh in the world of mank himself you know like i appreciate him for making citizen kane i appreciate him from for writing on like a uh Writing on like Wizard of Oz, right? Yeah. That's a, that's a big thing, you know. Those are crazy, two co- crazy big projects. But maybe again, maybe I'm just too young to like really absorb what it, what this, well, you know, what this film is trying to uh, get me to see um, towards, you know, the creation of that. Um, it could just be the nature of the story. Just it's just it is what it is. You know, they didn't change much. They didn't try to make anything too crazy. They were like, nope, this is what happened. And they just went with it. Yeah. The fact that he's a <laughs> drunk, it's like, yeah, that that might that's probably not gonna be the most interesting thing to watch. He's just like <laughs> drunk all the fucking right. time. So like that. He's drunk all the time. Yeah. yeah. And there, there's a couple, you know, scenes where somebody's having a conversation. I was like, okay, that was a good scene. But then it it might go to another scene that I just didn't find um too interesting um to watch um at the time. But it it was still like cool to watch if that makes sense i was just like okay yeah this is still cool to watch and see the yeah how was how it was being made um and all that jazz so yeah i think i'm i'm with you i probably won't ever watch it again um and like a lot of other david venture films where i've probably seen them more than four times um so yeah yeah it is what it is uh but yeah i think i think it is going to do some some really decent stuff um especially with the practical effects or the what they did um editing wise mm. i think is gonna be nominated for some things for sure yeah sound um, editing cinematography mm. stuff like that yeah for sure definitely yeah. definitely and you like mentioned 
you like mentioned um how like there were some echoes and stuff one of the cool yeah. things i remember was uh at the beginning uh he was talking i forgot who he was talking to but he was on the phone and he it just sounded mm-hmm. muffled yeah. Just like, like I don't know. It was just like, yeah, it was it, that like that stuff. Like that was like cool to watch. Yeah, so. yeah, very, very small details that like if you're really into just paying attention to that stuff, like it, it pays off in that way. And I was like, that's cool. That's that's a good decision. Like, like you say, cool to watch and experience, but not necessarily mm-hmm. a story where I'm just like, you know, like you say, just yeah. like enveloped in the movie and the story and you know, um, of the person. But yeah, gotta say, appreciate Herman Mankiewicz. He 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 contributed to you know some really important stuff during his time. Obviously went went too soon. He had a lot of demons. But uh, yeah, Mank is available now on Netflix. Um, if you decide to watch it, so we're gonna go ahead and move over and just talk about you know a bunch of other news that's dropped in the past week. We're gonna start off on the Marvel side. Uh, Hawkeye is officially filming for Disney Plus. Um, we know that there is a original Hawkeye series coming to the streaming service sometime mm-hmm. next year in 2021. I believe it's a, scheduled to come out at the end of next year um, at some point. So they recently just begun filming. And a lot of casting news has come out of that. We've seen set photos. So we found out and have confirmed Haley Steinfeld will be playing Kate Bishop, a.k.a., you know, the new Hawkeye that we're, you know, I think we can safely assume she's going to be the new Hawkeye. She's playing Kate Bishop. Um, We also found out Vera Farmiga, legend, she is going to be playing Eleanor Bishop, who's Kate's mom. Um, Also returning already, and we haven't even seen the movie, Florence Pugh is returning as Yelena Belova. Um, She's technically yet to make her debut because Black Widow has not come out, but Yelena Belova is going to be in Black Widow um, next to Scarlett Johansson's titular character. So we'll see her first in that movie. um, And then we'll see her in the Hawkeye series. And then uh, last but not least, we also have Alakwa Cox, who's playing Maya Lopez, a.k.a. Echo. Mm -hmm. Which, if you don't know Echo, Echo is a superhero in Marvel Comics who is not only um, of Native American descent, but she's also deaf. Um, And I believe the first major deaf character in the Marvel canon. Um, And she was really popular because um, her character was a part of the Daredevil comics. I think she was introduced in Daredevil um, and fought alongside him. More recently... Uh, more recently, she's uh, she's actually in the uh, new New Mutants um, that I've been reading, nice, um, which is pretty fire too. So. Yeah, so a lot of casting news. There's other people, obviously, a part of the the cast that that was revealed. But yeah, I mean, it's exciting to see they're they're still moving forward and doing it. I will say, like Hawkeye. Out of all the Disney Plus original shows that they're doing, it's the one that I'm least excited about. I would say because like. Mm-hmm. You know, I appreciate Hawkeye and Jeremy Renner. I think has done a, a good job in the role, but not always been the most, um, the most amazing character on screen up until this point. I think you know, um, he was under mind control in all of Avengers One. Um, we got some more backstory with him and his family in Age of Ultron, which I appreciated. I always appreciate a good, a good backstory. Um, absent in Infinity War and then in Endgame, we saw I think a really mm-hmm. good arc for Hawkeye, especially as it related to Scarlett Johansson. I think that's probably where they gave him some of the best stuff to work on. But not been mm-hmm. the greatest character I would say in the MCU, but still, still a good character mm-hmm. and you know Jeremy Renner is still he's still Jeremy Renner he's still a really good actor um but yeah. I will say it's probably the series that I'm the least excited about considering that we're getting you know Loki and Captain Marvel um, yep. not Captain Marvel but um Miss Marvel and She-Hulk and things of that nature just these more I think more iconic characters more recent iconic characters um however yeah. 
it, it's still the MCU, so I'm still interested and excited to see where they go with it. But it's good to see that they're moving ahead with filming, and we got some really good cast um, casting news with this. Man, I just wish it was a Ronin show. Yeah, if they and leaned all the way into that. Then I would be way more excited for it. I'm like, okay, you did that Mandalorian? Go violent again. <laughs> go go for it. <laughs> but, but this time, do the Ronin and, you know, just make it. Would you would you set like it in this. the in the five years between the you know sort of the snap and Heck yeah. Yeah. yeah he'd be in Japan mm. and doing all kind of you know what I mean crazy stuff I I think it it could have been great yeah. but it is what it is um, Kate Bishop is a she can be a fun character too uh, maybe she'll bring some life you know back to you know Hawkeye as a name um, even though you know she never goes by Hawkeye or anything she'll always, she's just always Kate right. Bishop all the time which is crazy because a lot of people don't use their name like we say iron man we'll say tony stark but yeah that's uh yeah i think it'll I, I think it'll still be good yeah yeah for sure definitely excited to see where they go with it um hopefully we maybe hear something about it at the investor call that's coming up or how it you know might be mm-hmm. released but yeah i'm just looking forward to all the disney plus shows I'm, I'm just i'm just ready to see these mcu shows and you know obviously we're starting off with wandavision and Falcon and Winter Soldier is still coming at some point, and Loki, like I mentioned. So there's there's a lot to look forward to. So Hawkeye is going on going on and moving ahead. Um, on the DC side, uh, we got another announcement recently. So um, there will be a new TV series entitled Naomi, um, which is going to be coming yeah. from Ava DuVernay and Jill Blankenship. Um, and this show is going to be at the works at the CW. So the CW is really sort of looks like they're in the rebuilding phase. Like they 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 mm-hmm. had. They had their championship run. They had their their uh, their 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 six rings like the Bulls, and you know had Flash and Arrow and Legends of Tomorrow and Supergirl and all these shows. But a lot of those shows are you know Arrow's over, Supergirl's in in the final season. Yeah. They're just old. Yeah, they're just they're old. They're just now. old now. So it is what it they're is. Kinda, they're kind of yeah. starting fresh and rebuilding, and so we're getting a new show called Naomi. Um, and so we have a synopsis. This show will follow a teen girl's journey from her small northwestern town to the heights of the multiverse when a supernatural event shakes her hometown to the core naomi sets out to uncover its origins and what she discovers will challenge everything we believe about our heroes um so Mm. yeah this is uh coming from again ava duvernay this is like her third dc project that's been announced like this new gods and then i heard about like this dmz um situation that's getting developed so she's like all in on dc stuff lately um, but I'm really yeah. wondering, like, what's up with that new guy, though? Like, that's what I'm most excited about, so I'm really waiting on that. But, right. Um, yeah, this is interesting yeah. news to see, right? Oh, for sure. Um, like, Naomi, she's a really dope-looking character. Uh, look up her design if you've never seen her. She just looks really fucking cool. There's, like, pictures of, like, uh, Batman and Superman being awed by her, which is great. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's like, bow down, you know, to the... To the to the powers of this uh, black girl, um, which is really dope, um, and that story is really weird. If you know the story of Naomi, like you said, like some events shake her hometown. What happened was the ozone layer like broke, Yikes. <laughs> which is really interesting. You know, in the in the times of you know we're tra- where we're trying to uh, replenish the earth, um, and the ozone layer broke. But when it broke, this is really weird. Radiation hit the earth, but it didn't kill anybody. It instead it gave like twenty nine random people powers, <laughs> and a lot of those people just sought to to rule the world. Mm. And this is where Naomi comes in, um, kind of type thing. So um, it's kind of another sub synopsis, I guess. I don't know if they'll go that direction. 
Um, they might eat, hopefully uh, it'd be cool if they made it darker, right? Yeah. Where if the ozone layer break, niggas just start dying because that's real. Um, uh, maybe maybe they maybe they will go that route. But yeah, I think uh, you know Ava's gotten some some heat here recently, <laughs> so I hope uh, I hope um, you know that turns around um, with this um, this series or like you said, where's new gods? I don't know. I think the DC slate is just so crazy right now. Yeah, they. They they could be doing both at the same time. To be honest, you know she's a director first and foremost, and she probably just doesn't have anything to direct right now. So maybe they're starting to think, you know, of things to do in the in between time before the new guys actually starts production completely. Um, so yeah, yeah, I think it'll be a good. Looking forward to it for sure. I'm always excited to see uh to see new projects. And I've, yeah, Ava, she's really talented, you know, filmmaker. So I'm I'm excited about mm-hmm. what that what that looks like. Um, we're going to go ahead and move on. Uh, we have, you know, some black entertainment news specifically that we want to touch on, uh, black and animation, um, just had an award show, which is crazy. I didn't even know about this, but I just found out about it like yesterday, uh, when it was happening. Mm -hmm. But, um, the, the animation company, black women animate, um, has teamed with cartoon network, um, to bring the first ever black and animation award show, um, which if you can't tell by the title is to honor, you know, and, 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 you know, recognize black creators in the animation Huge. space, which is, you know, Huge. something we've talked about on this show. It's something that I think a lot of people have yearned and desired for to see recognition, um, you know, placed on black creators in animation and to just see more representation mm-hmm. across the board. So the fact that this happened is, I think, incredible um, that they did this. Yeah. It was a virtual event. Um, and some of the people that they honored um, included Vanessa Morrison who's the president of streaming at Walt Disney Studios, um, and they gave her the Trailblazer Award. They also honored Bruce Smith, who's the executive producer and director at Disney Television Animation. Um, they gave him the Narrative Creator Award. And then, you know, last but not least, Dr. Ayoka Chinzira, um, the TV director and experimental filmmaker with the Cultural Innovator Award. So high, high praise yeah. given to some very talented people, some people I wasn't even really aware of, but I did a little research just to find out more because I'm like, yeah, let me find out and see who – who these folks are because it's so important to, to 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 shine a light on them and I'm, I'm just glad that this existed that this opportunity was created for them um to to really honor their work and what they do in the animation world for sure um yeah this is just dope to be honest like you said it's something we've been looking for for a long time uh i'm surprised i know it's like from also with cartoon network studios but craig of the creek has been killing it mm, um, yeah as a cartoon uh, representation. The Halloween episode had Missy Elliott in it, or like not. She wasn't in it, but I heard uh, her, her. Yeah, it was. It was. They paid homage to Missy Elliott in the episode, which is hella dope. And just like, yeah, they they killing it. So uh, I just wish they would have got something. But um, yeah, this is amazing to see for sure. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, yeah. I can't wait to like mo- more to happen in the uh, in the next iterations of the award. Show. Yeah, yeah. Like hopefully, you know, even more people can obviously be a part of the industry more mm-hmm. work can be recognized i'm sure i'm sure i'm sure to hopefully become a you know sort of am, annual regular thing that we can we can always look towards so definitely uh take right. a look at you know and see some of these people if you're interested just like look up some of their work and, and what they do it's it's a really cool thing um in the music world we just got the next versus announcement um season two is yep. underway we already talked about gucci versus jeezy which was you know out of this world the next one up keisha cole versus ashanti we're going into the r&b wow. world it's happening saturday december wow. 12th at 8 p.m uh people have been calling for this one for a while too um i know people have been talking about getting keisha cole and ashanti involved in some way form or fashion i don't 
Yeah. I don't know if people I wasn't, put them together per se. Mm, I don't think that was a yeah, thing. I yeah, I, I didn't think of yeah. that, but I know people wanted both of them individually to do this. But this is an interesting mm-hmm. battle. Um, kind of. Yeah, yeah, I don't. Two different eras yeah, here. T- somebody was somebody was like, but they uh, they kind of make the same kind of music. I said, do they? <laughs> I don't. I don't see that at all. Bit of a reach, um, but you know. Yeah, I don't. I don't see that at all. Um. Which is gonna make it interesting to watch even more because I'm like, I don't know, Love by Keisha Cole ain't the same thing as Unfoolish, uh, you know? I'm yeah. like, I'm like, that's not gonna. They work differently for sure. Yeah, they just work differently. Like I don't, I'm not sure. This is like probably close to the least verses of the verses. Like I feel like we're just gonna be listening to good music mm-hmm. versus like us actually putting a song versus another song just because of the nature of the artist like i don't know keisha cole sonically is different than ashanti to yeah. me that's just how it is keisha cole be singing yeah um she, definitely she gonna sing loud <laughs> she gonna have <laughs> she gonna have some some crescendos and some 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 climaxes in oh, there 100%. some peaks and ashanti she just she just don't do that that much that often um she's just a more uh uh chill more chill tone of a singer i guess let's put it that way um but she has she has bops too you know she does have she does have hits and bops as well so um i we'll see yeah we'll see what it's like uh it's coming again this saturday december 12th 8 p.m eastern ig live apple tv check it out if you're interested want to hear hopefully a good r&b battle um but yeah that's the next verse is happening um tiny pretty things is coming to netflix december 14th um yes, yes. this is uh this is going to be an interesting um interesting experience it's 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 uh, it's almost like black swan right like it has some 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 sort of remnants of that and also like pretty yeah. little liars right yeah if you watch the trailer um it's it really is about um pretty much the these girls trying to make it in a juilliard type um ballet school um against each other but it's like it has some black swan artsy stuff of course using ballet but also uh the nature of the relationship between the characters um and it has a little pretty little liars in it too because some some if you watch the trailer like some people may be getting killed or something it gets dark Mm -hmm. yeah it looks like it gets dark um but the cool thing about it is the main character is a black girl and she's a real ballerina um her name is Kylie Jefferson. She's playing uh, Nivea, I think. Is it the Nivea or Nivea? I'm not sure which one. Um, but the series is based off of a book. So if you haven't, um, or if you're, seems like that piques your interest, I would check out the book um, before the uh, this, I think it's a movie, before this movie comes mm-hmm. out um, next week. Uh, but it, from the trailer, I'm going to watch it. It looks good to me. Um, I'll watch anything with both um, a black woman and dance. Um you know when it comes to a film so i think it's i think it's going to be uh a good time if it's especially if it's as crazy as the trailer made it seem like it was yeah on top of the fact like you mentioned she this is authentic like she's a real she's a dancer, real dancer yeah like if you go to her instagram page she's like i'm a ballerina mm-hmm. like <laughs> like that's what she says so i like that i like that for sure definitely check it out tiny pretty things coming to netflix december 14th um you know moving on into some other sort of gaming slash entertainment news so we're, we're, we'll start at, we'll, we'll talk about gaming for sure but um a, another video game adaptation is happening uh pretty soon here i had forgotten about this because i remember that they were talking about making a metal gear solid movie but it definitely just slipped mm-hmm. off my radar However, we just found out that the one and only Oscar Isaac 
has been cast as Solid Snake in the upcoming live wow. action Metal Gear Solid movie, which, you know, wow. I got to say the internet is a powerful place. The internet is a powerful place. And I say that because the internet willed Rosario Dawson to get that Ahsoka Tano casting because that, that, that yep. started off as a fan casting situation. Mm-hmm. And I remember, I remember like it was yesterday because it probably was yesterday when those Still images from Dune dropped and I Oscar mm-hmm. Isaac was, you know, he was featured in one of those still images and he has like the gray hair and the gray beard yep. and he has his outfit on and people were like, that's Solid Snake. He should be Solid Snake. <laughs> and here we are, fast forward, probably, I don't know, five, six months later, he's officially cast as Solid Snake. Um, So, so crazy. it's happened. He's doing it. We don't know any other details beyond this besides the fact that it's coming from Sony Pictures. Um, But, I mean, I'm here for it. Oscar Isaac, great actor. Oh, he is. Metal Gear Solid, incredible is, games. He's becoming, he's becoming the new Liam Neeson. Like, he's just a badass in every movie. Yes. Like, he's like, I'm Apocalypse. I'm Poe Dameron. I'm fucking... Now I'm metal, you know. Now I'm solid snake. Hitting him, he's just, bro. You just, you just gonna be a badass and everything. You in now, huh? Okay, that's cool. Well, so. you know, you talk about a and Moon Knight, right? Well, you talk about representation a lot. Like, who, who are these people's agents? Oscar Isaac got a fire fucking agent because the stuff fire he got, agent, the bro. stuff he got coming. Like you mentioned, Moon Knight. Obviously, Dune is yet to come out. Uh, he's in an HBO series um, called Scenes from a Marriage. That he's doing with mm-hmm. Jessica Chastain. Um, he has another movie coming out called The Card Counter. There's another adaptation coming from the Ex Machina world called The Great Machine that he's going to be in. He was in the original Ex Machina. Amazing movie, by mm-hmm. the way. And then, you know, Francis and the Godfather. He's doing that with Jake Gyllenhaal talking about the making of the Godfather. He's playing Francis Ford Coppola, for God's sakes. So this man is just wow. everywhere. I think... Everywhere. Once he got out of Star Wars and his schedule just like freed up, he didn't have to like dedicate a whole year to make in one movie. He was just like, you know what? I can do it. I can do whatever right. I want now. I'm going to do everything. So I'm going to do Moon Knight. I'm going to do Dune. I'm going to do mm-hmm. Metal, Gear, Metal Gear Solid. Like, he's just having fun at this point. I, I really love to see it, but it's great casting, I think. I mean, he, we know he can act, so that's never even a question. We know he can act his ass off. And he, he can pull off the look. We've already kind of seen a little bit of the look once they like actually, you know, get him get him in a costume and do a screen test and we'll see the whole makeup of Solid Snake. I, I'm I have no doubt. It's gonna look just like him. I have no yeah, doubt. It's gonna look just like him. I just hope the movie's good because we know these video game movies are you know mm, they they've been rough. I, they're getting better. They are getting they are better. getting better. They're turning the corner. I'm really excited for Un- Uncharted too, you know, with with Tom Holland. Yeah, th- but to the both uh, Metal Gear and Uncharted, although they are video games, they're more realistic, right? They're not like Mortal Kombat or I don't know Super Pokemon, Super Mario. You know what I mean? Yeah. Super Mario. Yeah, you know these are like no, these are like no. This dude's a special agent. You know what I mean? Or like this dude is like these are adventure, realistic kind of practical games. Right. Um, so which might make them better movies um, in turns, you know. So um, that that does make me a little more hopeful for those two for sure, both Uncharted and uh, Metal Gear. Absolutely. Uh, well, speaking of getting away from Star Wars, we're never getting away from Star Wars uh, because a new never. High Republic series, animated series, is in the works from Lucasfilm and the Star Wars team, which. If they ever do another animation series, I'm here for it because they've already had a proven track record. Y'all, We've heard about the High Republic and what yeah. what that means for this universe, but 
you know, I know we've been wishing for, you know, obviously more Star Wars stories from other parts of the galaxies mm-hmm. and the history, but it looks like this High Republic series is definitely gonna it's gonna take us back a long, long time ago, well before the Skywalkers mm-hmm. and all of this stuff that, that we've mostly been in for forever. Um we're gonna explore yeah. a very different and a very new side of the the Star Wars galaxy and I'm extremely excited about this because the possibilities are endless mm-hmm. and we also know we know that you know it's called high republic but come on like we know that the influence has to come from old republic and knights of the old republic oh and everything yeah that they've done with that this is in fact this is specifically like 800 years after the old republic mm-hmm. um and it's 200 years before um the start beginning of the star or the the skywalker saga mm-hmm. um and so uh and this is like arguably one of the golden ages of Jedi. Like, right. This is when Jedi are going crazy. They're plentiful. There's hellas of them. Um, <laughs> there's hellas of yeah. them, y'all. Hellas of them. Um, which is going to be my favorite part. Yeah. Any, like, of course, this is our first Jedi centered, no, our second after Obi Wan comes out, but this would be our, our second Jedi centered TV show. Um, which means, look, give me all the Jedi content. I just want to see lightsabers Man. and different races with people with lightsabers and this and that. Um, but it's also going to be centered off the comic, um, The High Republic, right. um, where, I, of course, I have to talk about it. One of the coolest fucking people in the whole comic is another black woman. You heard me talk about uh, Seer Junda um, in another, um, she was like a black woman with dreads, uh, Jedi. This one, this is a black girl in The High Republic. Her name is Keeve Trennis. And look up her design. She's badass. She has like this half hairdo thing going on with like a one dread. I don't know. It just looks very Star Wars ish. Um, but she's another badass. And she uh she has a dual lightsaber, so wow. Man. Like, yeah, it's it's just gonna be dope. Hopefully they uh they they do her right um in the story. But there's a lot of really dope Jedi in the story of the High Republic. So um yeah, be re- I'm ready. It needs to come out yesterday, to be honest, because I need to see more lightsabers in the force and Jedi action niggas for the greater good. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Can't wait to see uh, what the high Republic series looks like. Um, and likely it'll be on Disney plus I assume. So definitely looking forward to that. Um, and then we also, you know, this is, this uh, is strange, but it's happening. Um, tall girl came out on Netflix, you know, about a year ago. That that was a thing. I didn't see the movie, but I did I do remember hearing about it. Um apparently they're mm-hmm. making a sequel to Tall Girl? Man, I don't know. This has to be a view thing. Like the this algorithm like, worked in their favor. Yeah, we don't care how good the movie right. was. It's just enough people watched it to make another one cuz this doesn't make any sense. If you don't know Tall Girl is <laughs> about this girl in high school who is so tall that she often gets um either uh, over overlooked i don't know how you get overlooked you're so tall i don't know if that's the word under looked i don't yeah. know uh but um overlooked or um bullied i guess mm. um for being um as tall as she is and it really is a cute high school rom-com about this really popular guy um at school where he's a foreign exchange student i guess um kind of fall in love with him and she ends up in some love triangle kind of type thing she has these decent friends and of course naturally she has a black friend and whatever that archetype always pissed me off Mm -hmm. depending on how they do Mm -hmm. it you know um but it's it's really not a good movie like it's just not original enough um it's like 
why are you crying again? Or, you know what I mean? Yeah. She's just tall. She's still a white girl, like, in America. Right. Like, you're just tall. Boo-hoo. Go. Let me pass it to you in the post. Like, I don't. <laughs> go hoop on somebody. Dunk on these niggas. Something. Something. <laughs> Something. Just get out your feelings. Um, and it, but it's also not a, a the worst movie ever. It is an okay watch. Like, if you're, like, bored on a Saturday and you're cooking mm-hmm. <laughs> and you want the TV on, this is like, oh, the TV's on in the background. I'm making me some omelet. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's one of those movies that yeah. it's okay to be on the TV still. But uh, nobody asked for a sequel at all. Um, I don't... They should have had fun with the title. Taller Girl. Um, <laughs> tall... Two... Too too tall, too furious. <laughs> I'm dead. Wow. <laughs> tall girl, Tokyo Drift. <laughs> tall and girl. Uh, yeah, they could just. Oh, hey. Yeah, they 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 could. Is it just tall girl too? Is that is that is that the creativity behind it? Uh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. It actually might just be called tall girl too. That's unfortunate. But they should have named it tall taller girl. That's really unfortunate. Or something like she grew two inches and now everything got worse. <laughs> Golly, I you know I just it's it's a shame they they gave this a sequel. Wait, but there's there's so other there's so many other Netflix movies that could get good sequels, but not but this one they should they should have used a cheesy catchphrase. <laughs> She's in above. She's in over her head. Oh my god! <laughs> or something really. <laughs> Who's marketing department? I don't know. Who's marketing no? You're, department? you're you're right though. Um, especially rom coms. Like they did a good job with P.S. to all the boys. Um, that I love. Ooh, what's the name of that movie? This is that got the longest title. P. To all the boys. Oh yeah, I love before. Yes. P.S. I love you. That's the second one, right? To all the boys I love before. And then the second one is P.S. I love you. Yes, gotcha. so all the boys I love before. Yeah, those like do more. Those that first one was actually good. It made sense that you made a sequel. Or like always be my maybe is a really great yeah. um, Netflix rom com. I actually really like that movie a lot. It's really good. Um, it's it's really good. So like you know what I mean. It's like not Tall Girl. Like that's not the one that you choose. That's I don't know. It, it, it must have. It must have been a hit, maybe with younger audiences. You know, maybe with. Uh, it it could have yeah, been, like you say, it had to. It had to be the views. The algorithm had to work in its favor for them to to say, like, yeah, we're gonna do another one. So, um, all the white girls is like, ooh, a movie about me being yeah, tall. Yeah. Um, well, if you have an interest in that sort of thing, check out the sequel to Tall Girl. It's coming out, um, or it's in the works, I guess. You know, at some point in, in Netflix, they're doing another one. So. Um, let's move on. The the gaming world, uh, we know we're we're basically at the end of the year at this point, end of twenty twenty. Yeah. And the game awards have announced the nominees for game of the year. Game of the and year. This has been a, yes, sir. It's been an interesting year, man. What what are those nominees looking like? Man, The Last of Us Part Two. Of course. Ghost of Tsushima. Of course. Um, those are both PlayStation um exclusives. Uh Hades, which is actually a Nintendo exclusive, I believe. Um Animal Crossing, another Nintendo exclusive. Uh, Doom Eternal, which I think is on multiple platforms, but might get more play on Xbox actually mm. because it's on Game Pass. Um, and Final Fantasy VII Remake, which is also a PlayStation exclusive. Right. Um, this is actually one of the better slates for Game of the Year. Um, it's pretty stacked. I, don't, I know a uh, couple years before, it's just been like really apparent what's going to win Game of the Year. Um, and Last of Us Ghost of Tsushima seemed to be the first crowd favorites at the moment but to be honest really uh last of us ghost of Tsushima, hades and animal crossing in my mind are the ones that have the the playing field to actually win although last of us and um ghost of Tsushima are the populars um which there is a popular vote um you can go in and vote right now if you want to mm-hmm. on the game awards website which um, i also do need to bring up a v- another very important um i guess nomination bracket 
uh, is the creator of the year, which you need to go right now and go vote for Black Girl Gamers, um, who have been nominated for creator of the year mm-hmm. among some of my favorite creators like Nick Merckx and Tim the Tatman, um, which are really, really popular uh, Twitch streamers. Go vote um, for Black Girl Gamers. Um, they really killed it this year. Um, we won't look. I'm rooting for everybody black, so I'm definitely rooting for um, them to win the award. But as far as Game Award nominees go, y'all, Last of Us Part Two. I'm sorry, this it's, it's a ten out of ten. <laughs> I, 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 I talked about this before. A lot of people got some backlash. I don't care. It's one of the best games I've ever played in my life. Um, the only other argument I would say, Ghost of Shima is beautiful, but Animal Crossing came out at a time where the pandemic was just hitting. True. People were addicted to the yeah. game. It was quite literally everywhere. It surged pretty big. I remember that. Um, it was everywhere. It was really wild. Um, I think the argument against it is just the amount of work it takes to put into a game like Last of Us or Ghost of Tsushima, um, whether it be art-wise. and the, the, the teams are just uh, have to be a little more, uh, uh, I guess, spread out and thoughtful about what they're doing um, as opposed to Animal Crossing. But, look, Animal Crossing had a crazy impact again at the beginning of the pandemic, and you never know. Uh, what could happen so um but last of us 2 is indeed my pick so yeah that that's crazy yeah um, game awards happening december and, uh, 10th too um so it's coming up really nope. soon we'll be able to see who who wins and they're doing a virtual i think a virtual ceremony this year so um mm-hmm. but yeah it's a, it's a pretty close race between specifically those few that you mentioned so it'll be interesting to see who pulls out for sure um and then what also happens on uh this thursday well december the 10th cyberpunk comes out Woo! huge game first of all I've never, ever in the history of all of gaming, seen a video game be in the works for seven years. I'm like, yeah, they've been working I, on it. I don't know if they're. O- I'm not sure they're okay over there. Like, <laughs> I think everybody needs to check. <laughs> they need to check on everybody at the studio at that studio because they've been going through it. They need the longest like, vacation. If you look up, this, you know, if you look up Cyberpunk trailer on on YouTube, it's going to say 2013. Like, yeah. it's like what? It took y'all this long to make this game. Um, it reportedly has about 175 hours of content, which is the craziest what? shit I have ever heard in my entire life. 175 hours? Are you fucking kidding me? I remember when they said, yeah, I remember when they said, um, Red Dead 2 had like 100 or 115 or something like that. I was like, what the fuck? Are you kidding mm-hmm. me? Now they're saying 175? <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, bro. Absolutely ridiculous. There's just so many different routes you can go, characters you can make, this and that, um, that they have set in Cyberpunk. Um, Actually, reviews came out today. Yes. Uh, embargo lifted. Mm-hmm. Um, GameSpot said some not so great things. Seven out of ten. Um, IGN, who I've always kind of regarded as my go-to for game reviews, gave it a nine out of ten, though. So I'm interested to see um, what these mixed reviews mean. Um, it sounds like from GameSpot's review, they might be able to fix some of the things um, that they had, but it sounds like some of the missions or whatever storylines they had were kind of short. Yeah. Um, but it's it's. I think it's going to be still a decent game. Um at least at the beginning, I'm hopefully I'm hoping the 170 hours people don't get bored, um, and just it's like there's too much going on here. Yeah. I can't play this anymore. Hopefully, it's not like, like too repetitive either. You know, that's that's a lot. Yeah, of content, exactly. Yeah. yeah, it's a lot of content. I'm like, mm. and, and it does make me question a couple things, but um, I think for sure, I think the first 20 hours you're gonna have a blast uh, by far. Um, just seeing a lot of the gameplay. Um, hopefully, you know. Keanu Reeves is in that thing, making us laugh. Whatever happens, I think it's going to be a, a fun game experience for the beginning. So, again, yeah, Cyberpunk coming out this Thursday. Um, 
I pre-ordered it a while ago. I'll be hopping on it and uh, ready to give my review um, myself when that happens. Yeah, man. hopefully those uh, seven years paid off because uh, I've never done anything for seven years at this point <laughs> in my life. So uh, shout out to them for, for seeing it through and seeing the finish line. But like you say, check on them and give them a vacation, uh, like two months yeah. of a vacation because that's, that's astounding. Um, but, yeah, Cyberpunk coming mm-hmm. out this week and the, the Game Awards. Check those things out. Um, our last thing, of course, um, as usual, unfortunately, but, you know, it's usually what we tend to wrap the show up with are um, more recent passings that have happened um, in the world of entertainment that we just, you know, sort of want to acknowledge. So um, we definitely have to, you know, say rest in peace um, to Natalie DeSalle Reed, um, who was most notable for her role in BAPS and also the uh, the Cinderella movie with Brandy um, that came out yeah. in the 90s. Um, we also have to say rest in peace to David Prowse, who was Darth Vader essentially in the suit. He he played the physical um, Darth Vader, um, which is crazy. We we all know James Earl Jones' voice is Darth Vader, very mm-hmm. iconic. But David Prowse was in that suit for for many many years, and you know became probably the most famous silhouette ever. Really, if if, if you think about it. Um, also, yeah. Hugh, Hugh Keys Byrne, um, who rose to prominence in mm-hmm. Mad Max. He was in um, Beyond Thunderdome, I believe, in the third one, and then he was also in Fury Road as um, as um, mm-hmm. the, the the main villain in that movie. And so he he was very mm-hmm. very popular. That was also his last movie role. He hasn't done anything since then. Um, and I think he did a lot of films in between, like a lot of, um, I believe he's Australian, so he did a lot of Australian films, but um, rose mm-hmm. to prominence in the Mad Max series. And then last but not least, from the world of professional wrestling and WWE, um, the legendary Pat Patterson, um, who yeah. is regarded as one of the most influential minds in all of wrestling. Uh, he is the first mm-hmm. Intercontinental Champion ever, also the creator of the Royal Rumble match Royal itself, Rumble. which is my favorite yep wrestling event um bar none so he he left the mark for certain um and had you know tons of other moments as well so definitely just wanted to say r.i.p to those four individuals um any particular things stand out to you you know about any of these these folks uh i gotta talk about natalie uh decel reed bro um she was in the households of a lot of black uh youth brand um a lot of us are young watching baps at a very young age <laughs> mm-hmm. um <laughs> and we've seen her and holly berry make magic on the screen you know um i've heard stories already from people who said um they love baps so much they used to watch it multiple times a day or once a week like pat baps was also really important for black girls you know across america too um seeing you know uh, a quote unquote kind of like these hood legends yep. <laughs> kind of live on the screen you know um and she she really um, she was a, also a comedic genius. Um, she was also in Def Jam's How to Be a Player. Yep. She was in uh, Medea's Big Happy Family. She was in Eve, the TV show. Um, and I think it's crazy um, that she died uh, from colon cancer, the very thing that we lost Chadwick Boseman to um, this year. So it's a it's not a disease to play with um at all and it it, it, it's sad that it's you know continuing um to hurt our community in the ways that it is um but yeah man um rest in peace to her for sure um but yeah that's all i have to say man uh shout out to pat patterson too who is he he can be uh iffy to talk about 
because although he did all these great WWE things, he kind of wasn't the greatest person yeah. um, in the world. He did a lot of terrible stuff behind the scenes, uh, which I won't speak too much upon. Um, but, you know, I still acknowledge him as, um, uh, again, the creator of, again, one of my favorite wrestling events, like you said, Royal Rumble. So I appreciate that so much. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I think, you know, on the David Prowse side, I mean, again, you know, being Darth Vader, that is, uh, that's kind of a huge, just a huge thing, right? You know, just being that person. And yeah. he was highly regarded in that role, too, you know, just for sort of, obviously, you know, it's one thing to be the voice, but to be able to, like, bring that character to life. And obviously, we know he's become mm-hmm. the most iconic villain really in all the pop culture um you know so that, mm-hmm. that that's truly a legendary you know sort of thing to to, to do and to, to really embody that and then Hugh Keys burn and Mad Max I mean did an incredible job in Fury Road um in that movie yeah. it was animated I'm over the job. top yeah just ridiculously mm-hmm. crazy villain um you know so definitely yeah. Mad Max Fury Road has become a legendary movie in and of itself, like just in the you know short time mm-hmm. since it came out, and he'll he'll always be you know be remembered in that role. So yeah, there's um definitely definitely just want to you know acknowledge those people who um, passed away over the past you know week or two um in the in the world of entertainment. So it's always sad to see people go, but you know in 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 sort of remembrance of their legacies, complicated or not, um definitely just R.I.P. to them and same thoughts and condolences to to their families and friends um but most definitely that's gonna wrap us up for this week man we we made it through um definitely had to really reflect and think about the state of movies and movie going and where the world's gonna be with movie theaters if they ever come back and hbo max is trying to take over and, and and get ahead in these streaming wars but then of course you know all the other things that happened as well had to review some movies and tv um as always there's plenty to watch and plenty to talk about so we will be back again really soon with another episode um but just wanted to you know thank you all again for listening um hope everybody had a happy thanksgiving um Mm-hmm. Since we didn't record an episode, you know, um, since then, so hopefully ha- everybody had a happy Thanksgiving and just continue to stay safe out here. We're we're er- nearing the Please. the end of the year. We're in the final stretch. It's been, I mean, thank God, the, the the weirdest, craziest, wildest, most chaotic, saddest, just ridiculous year I, I can ever remember mm-hmm. so uh, just thoughts and prayers out to everybody mm-hmm. hope you're staying safe and staying staying above water and, and keeping positive spirits while we're out here but um, with that said man that's gonna wrap us up for this week well said um, be on the lookout y'all this needs to be the biggest two black nerds movie night yet we're watching Ma Rainey's Black Bottom the yeah, yeah. day it comes out at 10pm Eastern Viola Davis Chadwick Boseman um, I've purposely been staying away from Chadwick Boseman content, not only because I've been waiting on this movie, but because it's still hard for me, to be honest, <laughs> uh, to watch anything with Chadwick Boseman in it. Um, so that's I'm going to make sure that's like my first time in a while watching anything Chadwick Boseman on purpose, um, his final final uh, time on the screen. So, uh, again, be ready for that. Two Back Nerds movie night, December 18th, My Rainey's Black Bottom. Um, thank you so much again for listening to another episode of Two Black Nerds. We appreciate y'all. We love y'all. This has been another episode of Two Black Nerds where we're too black, too nerdy, and we out. Peace. Let us buy his. Before I go to bed, forever. Meet the man upstairs. Pour some drink for the game.